You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. That can mean only one thing, and that one thing is that it's time for David's pick on America's Web Radio. And uh, we had a cadence call going there because, one, I like it. And, two, anybody that served has knows exactly what a Jody means and knows exactly what it can do for you on that force march when you've got one more mile to go or five more miles to go or whatever it happens to be and uh, your uh, drill sergeant or your your uh, platoon leader starts a jody up and it just helps you get a little bit further we've got a very special guest today and and let me stress how important this gentleman is one he's a a big supporter of the georgia military veterans hall of fame but more importantly in my opinion he works very hard, and his job has been for many years now, and we're going to let uh, Steve tell us all about it in a few minutes, but he works very hard and very closely with the age group that we look at uh, on many shows. As a matter of fact, we go after uh, the high school kids and uh, young college kids on our classic car show because we want them to pick up the the ball and run with it. And uh, Steve is in a position that, and he does a heck of a job out in Noonan, and um, he is a history and social studies teacher, and I, in our talking uh, recently, you know, he's teaching history. He's not rewriting history as so many people want to do today, but he's teaching, and as far as I'm concerned, history is history. So with that being said, we have Mr. Steve Cuisenberry on, and uh, Steve, welcome to America's Web Radio. Dave, you there? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you're there. Welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, tell us, let's just get started with you and tell us a little bit about what you do. And then we'll really start digging into it and ask all the hard snowball questions. Yes, sir. I am the chairman of the history department at Noonan High School. I've been at Noonan High School for third, this coming up year will be my 36th year. Uh, at Noonan High School, and uh, I lead uh, 17 history teachers, history, social studies, economics, civics, psychology uh, teachers in trying to engage teenagers in the study of history and the social studies. You know, I guess history has always been one of my favorite subjects, and I did well in it, and uh, I still enjoy history movies and or historic movies and uh, 
and books. I've got the uh, I've got uh, Kilmeade's book on, uh, and I I grew up in Texas, and uh, we were always taught the Alamo, but. Ryan Kilmeade brings in another aspect of it, and so uh, okay. So anyway, uh, I bring in. Uh, I, I love history, and uh, let me ask, what's your opinion of rewriting history? Well, uh, I'm not for rewriting history. Um, certainly not put that way. There's obviously several ways of looking at it um that and that's always been the case uh there's always new research uh going on i was reading this morning about alexander the great and the different places that they speculated he might have been buried because nobody knows where he's at Hmm. and uh so if anybody could find him that would be quite the coup yeah. Uh, if anybody could actually identify and find the body of Alexander the Great. Uh, so there's always uh, things that are changing. A lot of times I teach that some things are just hit what I call history mystery based on the History Channel show History Mystery mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know what exactly happened. Uh, and so there's a lot of ways uh, to look at it. And if you're looking at uh, judging people in the past, by our values and standards of today, you're going to be very disappointed uh, because it's sometimes it's just unbelievable uh, what people have done to each other uh, and uh, to the environment and to a lot of other uh, things in the past that we would be horrified by today. Uh, so it's, uh, it's an interesting subject. I think it's uh, really, I mean, I feel like I've got an advantage over like an English or math teacher um, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a story and there's probably going to be some good guys in it and there's probably going to be some bad guys in it and uh, I mean it's just like going to the movies wow what an approach I love it I love it The uh, you know you were talking about the good and the bad and uh, I've never had the opportunity to travel in the Middle East but I took personal it hurt me personally when the the Taliban and ISIS and all that were tearing the the monuments or blowing up the the different uh, statues and and throughout the Middle East that had been there for thousands of years and it was like a it was like a frontal offense to me and that what they tore up I'll never be able to see now uh, I agree um, and I know a lot of uh, some of that was uh, Buddhist if I recall right mm-hmm. and um, even though I'm not Buddhist I thought it was terrible as well uh, because those things were so old and a part of their history uh, so uh, that was a shame and, it, you know, what's happened today in our country uh, is a shame. And, you know, my, my gut feeling is, and this goes uh, not on your shoulders, but it goes back to our, our country in a lot of ways and what we've let slip through our fingers over the last few years 
is the statues that have been torn down, I doubt if most of those people tearing them down even knew who they were. Uh, and certainly most of them, or not most, but some of them certainly had nothing to do with racism or anything else other than just being history. And again, uh, I guess my Texas Tech degree doesn't give me enough brain power to understand what the what the thinking is there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the the one there's a couple of them I was really surprised at uh, General Grant. Yeah. Um, I, I really shook my head and scratched it on that one. Uh, I can't fo- uh, follow that at all. And um, even Columbus. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not a huge Columbus fan. I don't. I mean, he did what he did, and but he was a man of that time. He was not unusual for that time. My critique of Columbus is, after having read a fair amount about him, is that he. I, I question his leadership. You know. Um, and I won't go into all those kind of details, but um, uh, if, again, I said earlier, if you judge Columbus by today, he was a terrible person. But 500 years ago, he was just regular, generally speaking, a regular guy yeah. um, and didn't do anything more unusual than anybody else did 500 years ago. So. Uh, let me ask you, uh, did I miss the boat on what I just said about most of the terrorists, uh, they they missed the history class? Say that again? Uh, what I said a minute ago is the, the terrorists of today that tore down the Columbus and tore down uh, Grant, and what, did they miss history class, or did they... You know, they're all, or I say they're all, I don't know, but they would seem to be, at least in their late teens, most of them. And, uh, you know, did did that history teacher just not instill in those people how important the statues are? Uh, hard to say. I really have no idea. Uh, I won't even try to speak for their experience. So I just don't know. I just, you know, it's just sick because uh, I, not only from my standpoint, I've been very fortunate and as a youth or or young adult, got to travel uh, in many of the states and uh, have seen many of the uh, statues that they've torn down. And uh, I I feel very sorry for my kids and grandkids that uh, will never be able to see them. And uh, some will be replaced, but some uh, may never be replaced. And, uh, you know, well, let me, okay, is what's going on today, and I'm sure I've related this story too many times, actually, but um, this pandemic has, has reminded me in many ways of, I was working for a station uh, when Kennedy was assassinated, and my first thought was, well, no, you know, it's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal because our general manager will just go to his bookshelf and pull down a book that says, here's what you do when a president is assassinated. Well, there wasn't one, (laughs) you know, and, and again, that's exactly where we are with the pandemic today, and I would guarantee you there will be a lot of books written about it. 
but there's not one uh, there was not one for you know here's what you do during a pandemic at a radio station and so or for any business for that matter and uh, so I would say there are a lot of authors or wannabe authors that are busy, busily uh, sitting at the computer or I know they're not using pen and paper anymore, but uh, writing away about the effects of a pandemic. And so do you think, what do you think history will do with the pandemic? You know, it's, it's hard to say um, because we got to get some years away from it so that we can look back. But the thing is, it's not unusual in history. Uh, disease has been one of the problems of mankind since they settled, started settling in villages and domesticated animals. Um, and I'm sure you've heard about 100 years ago, uh, uh, the influenza. Sure, the 1917 uh, or whatever it was. That, you know, throughout history, the plague, smallpox, you know, all, a wide variety of things that we have conquered over the years. I feel like, in a way, is we kind of think that science and medicine can take care of almost everything. You know, not everything can't completely take care of cancer. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, um, I mean, people throughout most of history have had to deal with horrible, horrible, horrible diseases and uh, have really didn't even know where they came from mm-hmm. and uh, how they got them. And so, in that sense, we're very fortunate uh, to be able to figure out, you know, these different things that we're trying to do to um, a vaccination, which hopefully will come along here at some point, um, social distancing, face mask, you know, all these kind of things that you hear about all the time. Most of history, people didn't know those things. Right. They didn't know where it came from. Well, the, you know, the other, the other thing that I keep again throwing in and i tell you i'm going to hold a thought and uh, we'll come back we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with Stephen right after a couple of messages stay tuned Mortgage Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual, family, or baby boomer, email maga45cag at gmail.com and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at maga45cag at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on America's Web Radio with our guest, Steve Quisenberry. And am I saying your last name correctly, Steve Quisenberry? Uh, close enough. Okay. I pretty much take, any, take anything. And a call for dinner, too, right? That's right. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, what I wanted to uh, talk about was the one thing that... that uh, Obviously, back in 1917, and 
And really, you know, it goes for everything. You can't compare today to yesterday per se because we've got a terrible thing that has been thrown into it, and that's called social media and uh, the computer. So it it has definitely put a different hue on the uh, on on anything. And uh, I don't. And I think this is one of the the things that the uh, books that are written will address and uh, our I guess our first instant historical coverage of an event was the Vietnam War and uh, there wasn't a lot of live coverage but it was almost live coverage as uh, you know the film crews would uh, do the videotapes and then put them on a jet and they were back in the United States uh, in less than a day, you know, and so that was as close to on the scene as you could get almost. But, you know, I guess every every historical event has a writer and describing what's going on, and that's that's where we get our history from. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I off base? I didn't catch that last part. Uh, okay, am I off base as far as uh, every event has someone writing about it? And it may be in poetry, it may be in uh, literature, or, or it may go straight to a history book. But somebody has, or, or every event has a, a recording, basically. And we just have upped the ante with our social media and uh, our computer coverage and so forth. immediately afterward usually have some inaccuracies it's not till down the road you know several years if not tens and twenties and thirties of years before you can really get the whole picture of what happened because whether it be the government not releasing that information for a while or whatever um, you know we know a lot more about World War II today than, they, than the people that lived during it or, you know, right after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of that stuff, say the code breaking, for example, wasn't released for years later. And we didn't really know in 1950 about the code breaking that went on in World War II. So it, it usually depends, I think, a lot of times on how long the writing has taken place. Uh, the, the impact of social media, uh, I think that's still yet to be determined uh, because that stuff, you know, I mean, it's instant. You can find out things instantly, which is in some ways is good, but in some ways isn't so good. Uh, so there's always advantages and disadvantages with almost everything that we invent or create or do. Sure. You know, it's uh, you're talking about World War Two. My my father was in the Navy in Intel, an officer, and uh, to the day he died, he wouldn't tell us. Or you know, at that point, we didn't ask or weren't asking. But growing up, we'd ask, and he wouldn't he wouldn't tell. He wouldn't say what he did exactly. Um, and you know, he found out later that what he was doing had stayed classified. And uh, 
part of it may have been on uh, on some of the uh, code breaking and and so forth but i can't say for sure because he never told us <laughs> but i know he was uh he uh he spent his first uh tour when he joined the navy as an officer he his first tour was in boston at harvard and they were teaching him whatever he was supposed to be doing you know so it was it was uh there there again it was an interesting time let me ask i i i'm sitting here thinking about what you do and um i i gosh my hat is off to you uh how would you size up the kids today as far as their interest in history and uh how are they taking to the pandemic and to the to uh, some of the terrorism? Um, kids, in general, history is an older... You, the older you get, the more you appreciate it. Okay? And mm-hmm. that, that I think that's the way it's been for forever. Uh, the older you get, the more you look back and appreciate it. But, having said that, there are a lot of teenagers that are very interested in history. Um, I have, uh, we have elective classes in our department at Noonan High School, uh, one of which I teach on the Vietnam War in the 1960s, and a colleague of mine teaches one on World War II, and they are always full. Uh, the students um, enjoy learning, the, because those kind of classes, if you go to U.S. history or world history, that's that's pretty general, you know. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to cover uh, world history in, you know, a few weeks in a semester. Uh, and so you hit the what I always say is the ESPN version of world history. <laughs> you turn on ESPN, you don't get the whole football game. You get the highlights. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get in world history or American history, for that matter. Um, but if you go to a class like on World War II or Vietnam or any other Topic, then you can get even in more detail. And we don't have any problems filling those classes. Uh, in fact, we bring in guys that were involved uh, and to share their experiences during that time uh, in class. And the students, they really enjoy hearing about those guys' experiences and asking them questions. Um, sometimes, I mean, they surprise me because I would not say they're questioning Asking penetrating, uh, intelligent questions is their strong suit. And, and I've, over time, I've kind of blamed the teachers, the education system for that, because you got 30 kids in a class, it's more like sit down and be quiet, you know, and, and this is what we're going to do, because you don't have time for a lot of questions. So I think we've trained them that way, but sometimes they'll come up with some questions that I am just like amazed at um really you know and i I think i never thought of that that's a great question and so uh, i don't think you should sell them short um not certainly not all the students are that into history but a lot of it depends on the teachers and uh, we tell a story and we've got to sell the story it's almost like being a salesman and we've got to make the sale and uh sometimes we will and sometimes we won't. We just hope we do a vast majority of the time. And I think our department 
uh, does do that uh, face-to-face uh, with the students. We're as good as it gets. We're as good as any other history department in uh, in Georgia, I feel like, and uh, the kids really like it, and we try to engage them in a lot of different ways. And, um, I mean, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I'm getting ready to start year number 36. <laughs> I think that's great. Place. You know, let me ask. Uh, I've with, enjoyed it. With what you've said, of, and, and I certainly appreciate the kids that take the uh, – you could almost call them specialty classes, uh, Vietnam wartime or, or World War II or whatever. But uh, at the same token, do you feel like there's some influence from the home? And, for instance, right now, uh, a high school or a teenager that would take one of the classes, they might have some old guy like me that uh, was as a grandfather that was during the Vietnam War era, you know, or, or uh, their, their grandfather may have served in Vietnam. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the, parent, the mother and father probably did not, and a good, good chance out of only 1% of the population ever joining the military today, I would assume that uh, most, fam- most kids come from families that have no military experience. Uh, that's correct, um, but they're interested in what those guys went through. Uh, they've heard about it. They've seen, you know, probably seen movies or maybe saw pieces of shows on television enough to kind of pique their interest. And uh, because those classes do some really unique things uh, with veterans, um, that gets them interested and. You know, one of, one of the ways that we recruit is by students talking to each other. That's our best way of recruiting. Word of uh, mouth. Because the students that have had the class will say, oh, you ought to take it. That's and, good. Uh, that's, that's our big recruiting tool right there. That's super. Okay, uh, we're going to take another break, and when we get back, I got one of those really hardball questions for you. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be back talking about our kids and history right after this. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on America's Web Radio with a very special guest, Steve Cuisenberry. And uh, Steve's a big supporter of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and I always want to give them a plug, as well as the director, Rick White, uh, retired colonel, and uh, Paul uh, Lungry that uh, started it, and uh, they have done a marvelous job, if you're not familiar with it. 
It's downtown Atlanta, right across the street from the Capitol in the uh, Floyd Building. And uh, if you're coming to Atlanta or you're living in, in Atlanta and got kids, it would be a perfect day outing. And uh, the Floyd Building, I always give them credit for having a very good cafeteria. You ever eaten there, Steve? Actually, I have. Pretty good, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, and the other uh, place that I like to give certainly honorable mention, and I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of this as well, Steve, is the uh, Johns Creek, where I live, uh, Johns Creek Healing Wall, which is a 50% replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. The Healing Wall, the, what Johns Creek has put up, was toured all over the country, so veterans and people that... Uh, couldn't get to Washington, would at least have an opportunity to see what the memorial looked like in uh, D.C. So, And it's open now, and people are welcome to come to Johns Creek, and uh, they will be putting up a uh, kiosk soon that will have a computer in it. You can type in a name and find out exactly where it's located on the wall. So, uh, And i got to mention, too, Peachtree uh, Corners has a memorial to uh, Vietnam veterans. And we're, we're becoming quite a state of memorials. Would you uh, agree with that, Steve? Yes, sir. And I, I think it's great. And uh, whoever's listening, and we have a lot of out-of-town listeners that, uh, you know, please put it on your tour to... Uh, go to these different places that I mentioned and I had promised that when we came back and I sort of cheated because I told Steve what I was going to ask him and uh, you know I, I, I guess because I have no kids but I was really I have kids but they're out of out of school now and um, but I asked Steve you know if, if the kids today realized that they were living in a historical time that will be written about for years to come and uh, and talked about for years to come uh, bad and worse in some ways but and then Steve came back and said well you know he hadn't seen the kids well what about on the, were you all doing the electronic uh, classes and so forth uh, we were uh, but we didn't really uh, not like we may be doing it this fall uh, where we were face-to-face face face very much uh, on the video chat. But I will say that I, I suspect that they do realize um, because this is like nothing they've ever seen. Uh, I was in school when uh, 9-11 occurred back in 2001. Uh, I was in school when communism collapsed, and I was in school during Desert Storm, uh, Desert Shield uh, activities, and the students... Uh, I think realized at that time that this was going to be something that their kids were going to see in the history book. So I, I suspect, even though I have not actually been in front of a class uh, since March, um, that they do realize that this is so unusual uh, that this will be something. And as a matter of fact, some of them that I have seen in the community, I've told them, I say, you know, when your child graduates, you can say, let me tell you about my graduation. Yeah. You know? Or lack like, thereof. Oh, yeah, I guess I can. Uh, so I think that's, I mean, uh, I feel bad that 
the, the end of the year stuff that a senior usually is involved in did not happen. Uh, but they, they've got a really unusual story in the future. Oh, and, and uh, as I said earlier, don't you think not hundreds, but probably thousands of books will be written about it? Uh, yes, very likely. Um, 2020 will go down, and and it, it's even going down right now in, in more records. I heard today that uh, we've already surpassed the early, uh, early uh, hurricane number, and... Uh, which I find interesting, you know. It's like uh, we're just just a lot of a lot of firsts in uh, 2020. Yeah, certainly, certainly is. But anyway, um, tell us about. I, I found it interesting when we were talking too about what you all do with um, getting the what's it called when you have the veterans and the and the kids get together. Yeah, we call it Students That Connect, and um, this is our oldest program. We can tra- we trace it back to 1995, the last year of, uh, you know, the 50th anniversary, I should say, of World War II, the ending of World War II. And um, we had uh, an event at the school where we were going to honor World War II veterans, and of course there were quite a few in 1995 that were still around, and a uh, handful of them, I don't know, seven or eight of them, brought in some memorabilia and set up displays in a room, uh, a good-sized room just off from our auditorium. And uh, one of the assistant principals asked if I wanted to bring my class down there and look and talk to the guys. And we did, and when we left, they, they thought it was great, and I thought, why in the heck don't we do that you know, every year? And so we went from that seven or eight guys to now we actually hold this event in the National Guard Armory, which is right across the street from the school, and we usually have about 70 to 75 local veterans from World War II all the way to the present day that come in. Uh, They may set up uh, some memorabilia, displays, stuff like that about their time in service, and then we bring the students in. And it's not a... um, it's not like somebody's going to stand up there in front of everybody and talk uh, for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or anything like that. It's, it's brief. You know, you stop by the guy's table, you talk to him maybe five minutes, six minutes, something like that, and then you move on to somebody else. Um, and so you get these brief little snatches of history. But what we want to do is make sure the students understand that these are real people that did these things that we're talking about. You know, a lot of times I'll use the example, how interesting would it be if you lived next door to Leonardo da Vinci? You know, or you, you know, you were in Caesar's army. How cool would that be to talk to somebody that was like that or if you were there and somebody wanted to talk to you? And But now you get a chance. And, of course, the handful of World War II vets in 1999, I had 45 World War II vets that came. Wow. Last, last December was the last time we held this. I had five, and mm-hmm. I felt fortunate to have them. And all the students want to see them. They, all the students want to talk. That's their first, 
you know. I told him you can't all go to the World War II guys right off the bat. But they all want to talk to a World War II guy because they realize and they've seen enough stuff and they've heard enough about it in school, they, they realize just how big a historical event that was. And they all want to they all want to shake the hands of a World War II vet. You know, correct me. Oh, please correct me if I'm wrong, and most of the time I am. But uh, uh, it always seemed to me like, and I guess it was because Hitler was so well known at that time that the European theater got much more attention, even though we were brought into World War II because of the attack on Pearl Harbor, but. It seemed to me growing up that the European theater always got more attention than the Pacific theater. Is that an unfair statement? I don't think so. I think you're absolutely correct. I think um, uh, Hitler, as a historical character, um, interests, I don't want to say that they like him or anything. I'm not saying that, but he draws interest uh, a little bit more than the Japanese leaders. Um, ever did for the Americans. Uh, so, yeah, I would say so. Plus the fact that uh, for many Americans there, they can trace their roots back to Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that also plays a little bit of a part in it uh, as well. So there's a little bit more interesting characters uh, as far as enemy characters in Europe. And so, yeah, I would agree uh, with that, even though uh, as we try to teach them, the Pacific War was some nasty stuff, oh. some really bad stuff over there. Uh, and so we try to teach both sides uh, of the of the conflict, Pacific and Atlantic. And and as strange as and I'm sure you remember this, uh, but I can remember in oh, I I think it went even into the '60s that Japanese soldiers were still being captured in the Philippines and in other Pacific areas where they'd been hiding out. They didn't even know the war had ended. And yeah, that went into the 70s. Did it? I, I didn't realize it went that far. Yeah, it went into the early 70s. Hmm. Certainly. But that, uh, that unto itself, I think, is just... Uh, can you imagine that today? No, <laughs> uh, and I and I actually mentioned that in class, and they they are stunned. I show them a couple of pictures of guys that surrendered um, in the you know some some in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, but I think the last ones came out in the seventies. I could be wrong on that, uh, but I know it went up until the seventies. Wow. I, I didn't. I didn't remember that, but I did remember the '60s, and uh, you know, it was like, even then, it was like, wait a second, you know, how could they not know? And they had lived off the land and in the cave, I guess, so long that uh, there was no communication. They had no none, and uh, yeah, it just it amazed me that, uh, and in some ways, the war continued. And as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Yes, indeed. What you, you know, historians are, well, we, we have few real historians 
on, and we have few news people. We have a lot of opinionators on uh, on what's called news today. But uh, you know, we've always heard, and I and I'm sure you bring this up in your classes at some point or the other. And I'd be curious how you do do it. And that that is that if you don't know history, you're doomed to have it repeat itself. Yeah, I start with that. Oh, okay. That's the first thing we do in my class is why are we studying history? And so that's one of the one of the things that we talk about. So certainly that's where I start, and I try to bring stuff back to those reasons we're studying history uh, as we go through the course. Yeah, you know, I like I said, I have my degree from. Texas Tech, and uh, but I think would there be any chance that an old man like me could come take your course? <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think they would approve that. Sorry. Oh well, I'd sure like to enroll, but and I'd like to take your Vietnam and World War II uh, classes. Um, you do you put them on videotape where you could uh, sell me a, a tape of them? No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> so, so we have videos. Some of the speakers have come in. I just, I, you know, do you know of any other district that, be it Georgia or any place else in the country, that's doing what you do? Um, the other, there's two other high schools in our county, and one of them has copied the Vietnam class and is is teaching it. Um, they don't. I don't feel like they do quite the to the extent uh, that we do. Um, we are fiftieth 50th, uh, 50th anniversary commemorative partner with the Department of Defense uh, for the Vietnam War, and so we bring a speaker in every year for the community uh, having to do with the Vietnam War. Uh, so they don't go to that extent. Uh, we do a five k to help local veterans, and we've raised $60,000 in five years to help local veterans that need help. Now, uh, wait a second. When, when, do you, when do you do the 5K? Excuse me? When do you do the 5K? We usually do it in November. Okay. Well, you do me a favor, and I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. Will you send me something about the 5K, uh, say, mid to late October, so I can start pushing it for you? I uh, certainly will. Good. I'd appreciate it. And uh, we want everybody to know about it and everybody to take advantage of it. And we are, I, one of our number one objectives is taking care of our vets. And, you know, I, I just a little personal thing that, uh, that, uh, I, I've never seen even today, but when World War II broke out, my father had already graduated from college and was a success. He owned a lumberyard in Brownfield, Texas, and uh, as soon as as soon I mean December the eighth, I think uh, he put his lumberyard and house. And my mother had just had my older sister, and uh, but Dad put the house and the lumberyard up for sale and moved my mother and my sister back in with, with my mother's parents. and uh, Or, no, they bought another house close to my mother's parents. And uh, then he joined the Navy and was off. 
And uh, here, I, I would have thought, and we saw a little bit of it in 9-11, but not, not the extent that it happened in after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and that was that uh, patriotism got, did, not, did not only get a shot in the arm, they got, it got a shot every place. And, um, you know, giving up a business like my dad did, I, I always... I just I marveled at, and he was a smart man, but I marveled at him doing that. Yeah, that's why they call him the greatest generation. Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you know they, uh, and it's sad, sad that we're losing them. I've forgotten what the number is, but daily, and I don't even know how many are left that served in uh, World War II. But uh, it is. And their stories are so incredible. And I, normally speaking, and, and um, you're not a vet, correct? Correct. Uh, I, I, I will normally, well, you've been around enough veterans at this time. You can, you can certainly answer the question. I always ask my guests, can you name one veteran that can only tell one story? <laughs> no. <laughs> They all got a pocket full of them, don't they? And I love them. Uh, they do. And you get in a group of them, and then you, then you start the one-up game, you know? <laughs> That's right. I love it. I love it. It is fantastic. And uh, we, uh, as a country, as a, as a citizen of Atlanta, as a citizen of Georgia, how much we appreciate. And, you know, I, I'm very, very fortunate to... Uh, have made so many acquaintances, uh, veteran acquaintances, and uh, it's just, they're all neat, and they all serve for a different reason, and they all did things that uh, they were called on to do, and it, it's sort of like, a lot of people don't know this story, but it's sort of like we have veterans that do shows here, and uh, we've had one situation that a retired general was called up for the pandemic, because, and he was mentioned the other day, not by name, just by rank, uh, because he is the he's head of logistics for the pandemic in the in Washington. And uh, you know, you ask a veteran, you never have to ask him but once. And I don't know a veteran in any shape that if he were at, he or she was asked to go back in the service, wouldn't go back in. They might have to be pushing their walker, but they'd still go back in. Yeah. And uh, I, hope, I agree. I hope this. I hope that comes across to your kids, and I'm sure if it doesn't, you beat it into them one way or the other. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's just uh, it's just something to that we have it like no other country in the world. We're going to take our last break, and we'll come back and finish out the show with Stephen Cuisenberry right after this. Hello, this is Michael Daly with Atlanta Healing Center. We know that addiction is a brain disease. Addiction is a family disease. Addiction is a treatable disease. We have a caring professional staff with over 30 years experience to help you and your loved ones in your recovery. You can reach us at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and David's pick. And uh, my pick today was a gentleman that 
I highly respect and uh, and admire for what he's doing in his classrooms at Noonan High School here in Georgia, and uh, that is that he's teaching history, and I love history, and he's making it understandable and interesting, and from what he's saying, and I, I can't imagine that uh, no matter what the age, that the kids love hearing, like he said, it's it's a... It's a story that he talks about, and it's and it's a true story that he talks about because that's what history is, and uh, you know we're we're living in uh, a very historical time, in my opinion, uh, every morning that we wake up right now, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that it never repeats itself, and that we'll we'll learn enough from what we're going through that and our kids will, that uh, they'll be prepared. So, what have I missed, Steve? Well, let me uh, let me tell you a few other things that we're doing at Noonan High School to try to engage uh, students in history. How about that? Yes, sir. I'd love it. All right. So, we started a history club about six years ago. Uh, we've been named one of the top clubs in the country for five years in a row, and we had the largest history club in the country for about three years uh, in a row. And we try to get the students involved in stuff outside the classroom, uh, from things as easy as history escape rooms, uh, to field trips, local field trips, to, uh, uh, you know, speakers, uh, and things like that. And, uh, We've had as many as 175 students that joined History Club. We also have a History Bowl team uh, that competes against other history, kind of like an academic bowl mm-hmm. uh, type team. And uh, our History Bowl team has been the Nationals uh, for three, three, three years in a row. They went to the national competition. Wow. Um, we also have done uh, a lot with the history of Noonan High School. Uh, which is an interesting uh, piece as well because we can trace the history of that school to 1888. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Uh, the school, the building that I work in at Noonan High School was built in 1952. Uh, or that's when it was opened. It was built in 51, 52. And, of course, we've added a bunch of buildings since then. Uh, and the place where the other the earlier Noonan High School was is now a, a park dedicated to local veterans uh, and it has a stone there that says the site of Noonan High School from like 1920 something to 1952 uh, and uh, so we think that's really cool we the history club did a project on the history of Noonan High School where we did oral histories with people and people donated items, whether it be like a letter sweater from the uh, 1950s, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it was really cool. I've got diplomas from Noonan High School dating all the way back to 1918. Wow. Uh, and I've still, some of the people just said, you can keep it, which we, of course, we did. And we do displays on the history of Noonan High School uh, as well. We also, uh, we have hosted a civics day where local government leaders come in and talk to our civic students 
about government and democracy and things like that. So you have like the mayor and the sheriff and the district attorney. Uh, you know, these kind of, the state representative and the state senator. Our state senator graduated from Noonan High School. Hmm. Let me, let me add. Uh, so we've had uh, those guys come in and talk to students about their job, what they do, and uh, how to get involved. Do, do, your, do your kids understand that we're not a democracy? Well, uh, yes. We okay. do talk about that, of course. Good. Uh, but... You know the idea, the democratic principles. Right, right. Um, so yes, they they do. Good. And I shouldn't have used that word. You're absolutely correct, but it's pretty common. So um, I, I know we're not a democracy. Well, no, no, uh, and I I didn't mean I wasn't I wasn't correcting you. I was just asking if they because so many people don't. I mean, right. The average man on the streets, they you know says we live in a democracy. Well, and. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I've made the statement many times that we really live in a democratic republic dictatorship. Well, we don't live in a dictatorship. Well, if you go back to when our Constitution was written, which I think is one of the greatest documents ever, we had representatives from Texas and different places across the country going up to a foreign land called Philadelphia at the time. It wasn't even D.C., and they would go up and make laws, and they'd go back to their states and counties and cities and dictate what had been decided in Philadelphia. It wasn't, they, people didn't get to vote on it, they got to, and they, there wasn't instant news, so it was really, in its own way, a dictatorship, a representative dictatorship, and if you didn't like what your congressman came back and said you'd be doing, then you voted him out. Right. But... You know, and, and I don't mean it was we really had a dictatorship, but we really you didn't you don't you didn't have then obviously because of travel and and electronics and everything else. You it wasn't a, a matter that everybody knew what was going on in Philadelphia and then Washington D.C. We were told what we were going to do. Right. Yep. Interesting. Uh, interesting take on that. But that's. I mean, that's. Uh, and in many ways, uh, we're lucky, and the representatives were probably lucky they survived at the time. But, uh, you know, we had our own form of taxation without representation in that we would send Joe Blow up to this foreign country called Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he'd come back and he'd say, well, we raised taxes on you, Steve, and here's what you're going to, we came up with a federal income tax, or we came up with this or with that. And uh, you had to live under it until you could either elect somebody else and they would help change it, or you lived under it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll tell you what drives me nuts is uh, hearing people say, well, the Constitution says that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I just, like, shake my head. Yep. Yep. Well, and and so many people have, uh, oh, there's separation of church and state. It's in the Constitution. No, it's not. Never never was, never will be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and this is, uh, th- this is why, you know, two things. One, will you come back and be back on again in the near future? And possibly I'd even like to talk to you about m- maybe bringing a couple of your students. 
That's one thing. The other thing is that you hold a first uh, with America's Web Radio and David's Pick. As of today, you're the first guest that I've ever had on that's made me mad. And uh, I don't know what to do about it, but when you said I couldn't enroll in your class, that really upset me. I'd, I'd just like to go back to high school and and uh, hear what you have to say. And you didn't you didn't just say no. You said not only no, but no, no. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a teacher like you, and I'd sure like to, and sure like to get your views on uh, on our past days, particularly now since I've lived through them, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, Steve, it's been great having you on, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, I think our listeners, I know our listeners will have enjoyed it and will enjoy it as we uh, I, I, I hope you know that you can we'll be uh, archiving this very shortly today uh, later today and uh, it will be up on our website and also on iTunes and can be heard on any of the podcast servers across the country and um, we hope that you'll however you want to use it if you want to if I haven't said anything too bad, you can play it back for your students if you want to, or just anything you want to do with it. We welcome you to do it, and uh, would like to, uh, you know, we will be in touch about you coming back. And uh, you know, if you wouldn't, you wouldn't throw a, a, a saber or anything like that at it, that a, at an old man walking in the back door of your class, would you? I would not. Okay. By the way, I have a lot of interesting Japanese swords and a Japanese rifle that my dad brought back from Japan. So, anyhow, we're going to have to put the plug in the jug and move on out of here and get ready for Ron's show, That Ron Bachman, talking about insurance. And, Stephen, thank you so very much for being on. I've loved every minute of it. Well, Dave, I appreciate you having me on. Well, you're you're a, you're a welcome guest anytime, and if uh, please you 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 did promise that you'd let me know about the five K. I will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening, folks, and uh, we'll be back next week with another guest talking about veterans and the military and this, that, or the other. And we appreciate you listening, and have a good day. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.